So good to see all of you. I hope you're having a great week. Here we are the last Sunday in July. Next Sunday, first Sunday in August. You know what that means. School was around the corner. I'm that guy at Staples that's excited because school is starting again. And all the kids are going, oh. But we're glad that you are here. And hope that you're having a great week. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Second Peter chapter 3. And I'd like to read verses 3 through 9. It'll be on the screen as well. But Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. Give you a moment for those of you that are turning in your Bible. I'm excited that you have your Bibles with you. And uh, always encourage you to use your Bible and to turn, uh, or your cell phone, I have to say that nowadays. Uh, Gary, you have your iPad, or, or no, no uh, not with you. Oh, well, he's got it up here. I know, Gary. Um, but Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Saying, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present, the heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But look at verse 8. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we come to you this morning as we study this passage of Scripture. We ask, Lord, that you would give us direction and insight, that, Lord, we would be able to look at your word and, Lord, see how you have made a promise, and that one day you are coming. But Lord, at the same time, you give us time. But we shouldn't take that as that you're not coming. Lord, be with us as we study your word today. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Some of you right now are very aware what time it is. Because some people during church services keep their watch or their cell phone close by, and it's kind of like, okay, the preacher just got up, and it is this time. We, know, we are a time-conscious people at times. <laughs> That's kind of a dumb statement, at times. But we are in this culture today about time. It used to be that If I asked you, what time is it? It used to be that I would get a lot of varied answers. Because people set their 
watches, which I know many of you don't have anymore. But watches, you set them maybe based upon what the radio tells you the time is. Or maybe the school clock or the work clock. And who sets those? But you know the ones that really amaze me is sometimes I look down at someone's watch and I go, and then I look at mine. Because theirs is 30 minutes fast. And I go, it's not that time. And so one time I asked the person, I said, you're just 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, I'm always 30 minutes late. So if I move my clock up 30 minutes, then sometimes I'm not late. Okay. And, you know, time, it's an interesting thing. Do you know people that time means nothing to them? Do you know, you have a friend like that? They say, I'll be there. You don't know when they're going to get there. Time is just not a thing. Then others, time is, if it starts at 11, they'll be there at 10, 15. You know, that's just, just the way people are. But, you know, looking at your watch, looking at your cell phone, what time it is. And, and we all, you know, we all want to know what time it is or where we need to be. Because at a certain time, we need to be in a certain place. Well, this morning in this passage of Scripture, there are those who are concerned of the time. They're concerned that death is coming and Christ hadn't come back. And so they were concerned with the time. They were concerned with God's time. Now, this morning, if, you know, there's a lot of people you might ask what time it is, but what about God's clock? I wonder about God's clock. You know the days where a lot of the gentlemen would have pocket watches? You know, they have the gold chains and they'd pull out the watch. And, and some of those watches were beautiful. Some of those watches were, were just the old timepiece and they would pull it out. Some of them had covers. You know, they would hit and the cover would come open and they'd have these beautiful pocket watches and they would, would, they would look at the time. You know, in London... In London, England, one of, the, one of the things that a lot of those older gentlemen, they went by Big Ben, the Big, Big Ben. They, they set their pocket watches by Big Ben. You know, in other places, I, I, you remember that years ago, you would, they had a number you could call, and it would give you the time. Remember that, Donald? You know, you could call this number and get the time. And because and, we were all concerned about what time it was. And, and a lot of us, we were doing that because we wanted to be on time, or at least close. <laughs> but what about God's time? What about his watch? And you know, and, and that's most important. Because there's going to be a day when God says, time's up. Think about it. Or he says, it's done. There's going to be a time when, when the time here on earth is done, and then we're really in God's time. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, one of the interesting verses there is verse 8. And it says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Now, that's an interesting verse. 
We got songs about that verse. We have songs that we have sung here that contains those words and the meaning of that verse. But you know, there are, there are preachers, there are scholars, scholars you know, those people that study a lot, uh, that study... And you know, preachers sometimes we, you know, preachers sometimes you know want to be elegant and 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 not like me, you know, in the sense of slaughtering words, but 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 take different scripture. You know, I have seen some interpretations of this verse that would make your head spin. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. You see, there's a there's a tendency among preachers that if we're not careful. We'll spiritualize that verse. We'll spiritualize that verse. We'll we'll take that verse and and we'll say, okay, this is what I want it to mean. Well, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. But if you look at that verse and, and you think about that verse, there are some who say, well, it's talking about life. And how life is just the same thing every day, every year. It just goes on, goes on, goes on until something major happens and then things are different. Now, I don't know how they get that out of that verse, but that's what some do. Then, then there's this group, they theorize the verse. They take this verse and they say, oh, well, there's got to be a hidden meaning here. You know, you, you look at this verse and, and it says, With the Lord, one day it's like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And so they theorize this verse. Let me tell you, for example, if you go to the book of Hosea and turn to chapter 6 and look at the first three verses, we find where they take that verse in Hosea. And they, they, because it says, come, let us return to the Lord. He will heal us. He has smitten us. He will bind us up. And after two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will rise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now, that's scripture. But they take that because it mentions the return of the Lord. So they say, well, after two days, he will revive us. And in the third day, he will rise us up. And so then they take that and they'll theorize that if a thousand years is a day, a thousand years. And it soon will be 2,000 years. And then the third day. Well, if you go by that calculation, where it's 2003 or 2004, well, guess what? That didn't happen. Sometimes, if we're not careful, and this is where you need to listen very carefully to those sometimes that are preaching on television, they love to theorize. In other words, they're taking it to fit it. I mean, have you heard all the different prophecies of the Lord's coming here and the Lord's coming there? This is what they've done. They've taken certain verses and 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 they they mean there's some that go back to the Genesis passage and they'll theorize that, and then they say, well, God said He rested on the seventh, and and you know and and, and and all these things. But we need to be careful of that. What we need to see in this passage of Scripture is that we do not need to take it out of its text or context. We need to look at what's happening. 
Why was this said? What was taking place? Go back to verse 3. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Then look at verse 4. Saying, where is his, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continued as they have since the beginning of creation. You see, what was happening as Paul and others were going out preaching God's word. And people were accepting. They were believing in Jesus Christ. They, they were accepting him, but they expected him to come in their lifetime. And when he did not come in their lifetime, they started having doubts. They were getting worried. That's where the scoffers, that's where different ones, they were concerned about themselves and then also their loved ones. Now, we we need to see here that one of the reasons this passage of Scripture was written was, again, was written about these scoffers who said, where is the promise? Where is this taking place? This is one of the reasons. We need to understand that. The second thing that this passage was written to comfort us, to strengthen us, to help believers. You know, do things always work out in our timing? No. Most of the time it doesn't, does it? Okay. Especially when we start thinking about God. I am not giving an excuse for God. I don't have to do that. God is all-knowing. God knows when it's going to all take place. But guys, God has a reason. He said so in Scripture. He has a reason. But let me see. But I want you to see. They, they were scoffers. And, and, and this Scripture was also written to try to encourage for us to have faith. Don't give up. See, in the times that we live in today... Many of us would say, these times are the worst times. These are the worst times. There are bad times, but we shouldn't give up. And there are those who are saying, look, we've waited all these years and nothing's happened. God is on the move. I I want us to see, remember Paul and Silas? They were preaching in Thessalonica. Then they went over to Macedonia. Then they they went to the different places. And guess what? Messages came to them about these situations. About those that were getting nervous. About those saints that had passed away. And they, they were concerned. And so, what did Paul write? Remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, reminder them, showing them that God's plan had always been, and God was saying, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will always, be with the Lord. You see, the answer was there. The, the concern was there. And, and, and here we need to be comforted, comforted and strengthened and realize that our God is there for us. Now, 
at times we are we are people of time. We are, you know, if I preach past 12, there's some that get concerned. I won't get in beef, beefs, beefs in time before the other people get there. But how does God look at time? How does God look at time? I don't know if any of y'all that, that are here, some of you are. When we went to Jamaica on a mission trip, how does Jamaicans look at time? It's Jamaican time. We would get to the church. They would tell us what time. We would get there. Nobody. Nobody was there. That preacher wasn't there. Nobody. One time, I think we even opened the church, didn't we? We opened the church. And, you know, that's just, that's their culture, right? Okay? You know... But what about God in time? One of the verses that that I'm reminded of is Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. Where it's a simple statement where the Lord says, My name is I am. Now, he didn't say I was. He said I am. You know, you look at that. You think about that. I am. When he states I am, it's an ongoing, it's past, present, future. It it meets all the needs. I am. I am the past, I'm the present, I'm the future, I'm always just the same. I am the, I am. He looks at the beginning, he looks at the end, he looks it all the way through. Have any of you ever taken one of those trips... I don't know, I know in Colorado they have them in different places where you're in a boat or a raft and you're going down a whiny river and there's mountains on the sides, you know, and you're looking at all the beauty and all the things. And and for you, if you're in that boat, what can you see? You can only see at the present moment. And then you come up to a bend in the river and with anticipation you're looking, well, what's around the bend? And you go around the bend and you see again more beauty and more, you know, and all that. And then there's another bend. But all you can see at the moment is what's in front of you, right? And you're praying that there's not a waterfall at the next bend. But, you know, all you can see is that moment. Now, what about God? Look at it this way. We've always kind of have this in our minds, that God is above. We always, when we point to God, many times, where's God? Everybody points up. Okay, and I understand that. But think of it this way. God is looking down. Now, if it's the Colorado River, if it's the Illinois River, whatever river, and we're floating down, God is far enough up that he can see what? He can see us in the beginning. He can see us in the middle. He can see, in the words, he can see us all along the way. He knows. He, can, he has a better perspective. All we can see is that present moment, that present time. But God is aware of the larger picture. We need to see that, you know, things happen to us one at a time, 
But God is able to see in a constant motion of those things that are taking place. He, he sees the whole thing from the beginning to the end. All of it to him is present. He sees everything as it is now. The fall of man was here. The redemption was there. The fall of Israel. He could see all of that. And he knows all of that. Now, God knows, doesn't he? God knows everything. He knows your life. He knows my life. He knows everything we've done. Every one of us in here. There's not an exception. God knows. Does it matter that God knows? Does it matter? You know, we're in a world today, we say, well, you know, that's just the way it is. People do things like this, and you just got to accept it, and, you know, just get over it, type mentality. Let me tell you, sin still means something to God. And he doesn't get over it easily. Now, do I believe in a God and a Savior who forgives us of our sins? Most definitely. Okay? But go back to a passage of Scripture. If you go back to the 49th chapter to the book of Genesis, 49th chapter of the book of Genesis, you've got in that passage of Scripture Jacob with his 12 sons around him. And it's the time to issue the blessing, which in that culture, in that day, was normally given to the eldest son. Okay, let's see if y'all do better. First service failed this test. Jacob's eldest son is... Reuben! (laughs) Reuben was his first son. Did Reuben get the blessing? No. Okay, I'll help you out there. Who got the blessing? Second question. Who got the blessing? One of his sons. There's only 12. And we already ruled out one. Judah. Now, some of you are going to think this is unfair. And I understand that. But you know why Reuben didn't get the blessing? Because 40 years or 30 years before that, Reuben slept, or you could call it incest. He slept. He slept with the wrong person. It was incest with with a uh, concubine. You say, oh, well, yeah, people today, oh, that doesn't matter. Woo. Oh, that don't matter. It does matter. Reuben lost the blessing. Oh, well, that's something that happened 30 years ago. Don't we hear that today? That's something that happened 30 years ago. You see, that's why we have to be careful. Because all of those things have an effect upon us. Now, has every one of us in this building sinned? Yes. That's why it's so important today, because of our Lord Jesus Christ and having that opportunity, we need to go to him and ask him to save us and forgive us of our sins. He's the only one that can forgive us of our sins. You see, this morning, 
As you look at this passage of Scripture, there were those who were concerned that it was taking too long and people were dying. But God was sharing. He said, I tarry because there are still those who have not accepted me as Lord and Savior. I tarry because I want to give everybody an opportunity. Everybody an opportunity to accept me. God can do great things. I'm, I'm trying to think of the name. Um, Hezekiah. King Hezekiah is one of those days. I'm going from Genesis to Revelation. But in 2 Kings chapter 20 is the story about Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, <laughs> you read his life. He, he, he had a wild life. But, but the prophet came to him and said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Well, that was a wake-up call. Hezekiah started praying, and he prayed to God, and he prayed so sincerely, and, and I don't know how, but he prayed to the point that God decided to give him 15 more years. But then when the prophet came back to him and said, well, how will I know God has given me 15 more years? Well, you know, if you live it, then you know. But he wanted a sign, and, and so I'm, he wanted a sign, and, and so it was determined, do I move the, the time up? Or do you move the time back? You read that. And, and he said, well, let's move it back. And God literally moved time back on that dial. Moved things back. You see, God can do great things. And I believe he is giving mankind the time to accept him as Lord and Savior. But then one day, he's going to say, time is up. You see, our little world, our little clocks, we get all unnerved. But you know, the clock we should be worried about is God's. Because one day it's going to hit that mark and he's going to say, and the trumpet will blast and time shall be no more. Guys, I'd say that this morning with love, and, but I also say that there's time for you. To accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you've never done it. And you say, well, preacher, what are the consequences? Because that's kind of what people want to hear today. The consequence is this. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the opportunity to live with him in heaven. And to live forever. But if you do not accept him or put it off. Then you will spend eternity in hell. And a living flame and torment that will never end. And that's what the Bible says. You know, it's time for us to accept him now. While God has given us time, let's take and make good use of it. Let's pray. Christ 75, the Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that as we look at your clock, that time is ticking. And Lord, we are grateful that you've given us the time to get our life straight, to give us time to get things to where it needs to be. But Lord, there will be a day. And Lord, I pray that if there is one, that this morning they would accept you as Lord and as Savior. Lord, I ask this in your son's name. Amen. I invite you to stand. Brother Preston and myself will be standing down front.